Good morning. Once again, I'm honored and grateful to be here to share a word of life. This morning, we have heard the Old Testament text read from 1 Kings. I'd like to paint the picture and the context for that text, for it truly is a dramatic story that I think as we encounter it, it may perhaps encourage and enrich our own journey in this faith season. Elijah, when we encountered him in our reading, was in a cave. He was in the cave because he was fleeing for his life from Queen Jezebel. Jezebel was after Elijah. Elijah, the great faithful prophet, was on the run. And it tells us prior to entering into the cave that he went to a place called Beersheba where he left his servant and then he continued on a day's journey into the wilderness. He came and sat down under a solitary broom tree and he asked the Lord that he might die. It is enough now, Lord, take away my life for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under that broom tree and he fell asleep. Suddenly, an angel touched him and said to him, get up and eat, Elijah. He looked and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He drank and he ate and he lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat. Otherwise, the journey will be too much for you, Elijah. He got up and he ate and he drank. Then he went in the strength of that food, 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. The text then goes on to say that's when he entered into this cave and he had this encounter with God, not the earthquake, not the fire, but the still small voice. And God talked with Elijah spoke to him and gave him a charge. And I believe this day that God is sending a charge to us through this text and this word to Elijah. And that word to us is we must press on. In this text, we encounter Elijah, who was the first of God's major prophets that God sent to convict God's people and to turn them back to God. Elijah, whose name means my God is Yahweh, enters the scene in this text at a time when God's chosen people, Israel, who were led by King Ahab and his Phoenician wife, Jezebel, had turned to worshiping other gods. They had worshiped a god named Baal and gave that god credit for all they had. At the time of Elijah's appearance in chapter 17 of 1 Kings, each of Israel's kings were wicked and corrupt, and most of the priests from the tribe of Levi had gone on to the southern kingdom of Judah. The priests that were then appointed by Israel's kings were corrupt and ineffective and began to only tell the kings what the kings wanted to hear. These priests, in essence, were false prophets who worked for political gain to benefit themselves and they often had great wealth and perpetuated false messages and messages that gave the people and the kings only what they wanted to hear. So with no kings or priests or 
true prophets to bring God's word to the people of God, God called prophets to rescue Israel from itself, from its own moral corruption. For the next 300 years, these prophets were essential in directing the people back to God and God's will. So today in our text, we meet Elijah after he has stood flat-footed in confronting King Ahab. He had already performed a miracle for the widow of Zarephath by bringing her dead son back to life. He had called down fire from heaven and proved that God's presence and power was, was indomitable and by slaughtering hundreds of Ahab's pagan prophets. We now encounter the mighty, courageous, and forthright prophet, the prophet among prophets in this text, cowering in fear. Elijah is so gripped by fear that he is actually asking God to take his life. He is so afraid and weary and exasperated and overwhelmed that he is actually suicidal. The great prophet Elijah, scared so much so that he is ready to throw in the towel and give up. I wonder this morning, have you ever felt like giving up? In the midst of this COVID pandemic, in the midst of the pandemic and the virus of injustice and racism, where the walls seem to be closing in, where you feel as though you've given your best and your best hasn't pushed the wall back. Have you ever felt like giving up? Ever been so exhausted and weary from trying to do what you thought was right that you've gotten to a point where you're ready to throw in the towel because even your best efforts and best intentions have come to naught? I don't mean to dig in your business, but maybe that's where you are in your marriage, in your job, perhaps in our church life, in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of all that has come against us. I, I know that you're faithful. I know that you believe in God. I, I know that you've tried to be a good Christian, but even a good Christian can feel tired. Oh, if this story tells us nothing more, it tells us that even if Elijah could be on the brink, so can we. Some may call it a faith crisis. Others may call it a dry place. There are situations in life and overwhelming moments that can sometimes tempt even the most faithful among us to give in to fear tempt us to give in to weariness, tempt us to want to give up. What does a dry place look like? Perhaps it looks like you've prayed and you've cried and you've tried and you've tried and there's still no breakthrough. Perhaps it looks like the moment when you're faced with a health diagnosis that you see no way around or Perhaps it's when you're faced with overwhelming odds and challenges at work, at home, in life. It looks like being faithful to God. It looks like following everything you think God has told you to do and still not 
seeing your prayers answered, still not seeing your blessing yet. It means trying and trying again, trying your best to take two steps forward, but falling ten steps back. David, the great psalmist, the great king, experiences a moment like this when he so eloquently pours out his heart in Psalm 42, and he says, My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me continually, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with shouts and songs of thanksgiving, with the, the multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why, my soul, are you so disquieted within me? And yet, David says, hope in God, for I shall again Praise him, my help and my God. I mean, even our Savior, Jesus the Christ, prayed in his final hours, Lord, I would, if you would, take this cup from me. So I call those who are weary and exhausted out of your hiding places, out from behind your masks this morning, to encounter Elijah in your soul of souls, in your heart of hearts, not to leave you there, but so that together we might be encouraged to press on. I come this morning with great prayer, asking God that through these words, we might together encourage our very souls in the midst of all that is before us. So I know you're thinking, in the midst of all of this and the case that you have laid out, yes, I'm tired, yes, I'm weary, how do I press on? In today's text, one of the first pointers I think that is provided for those of us striving to be faithful nonetheless and persist nonetheless, it is first to rest. Now I know that sounds crazy, but it is essential. The text shows us that Elijah laid down and fell asleep under a tree. While asleep, an angel came and touched him and told him to eat. He rested and he ate. He had not eaten any food, but now God was feeding him the food from God. We, we underestimate the power of rest and nourishment, especially resting in God. We are so busy with our to-dos, we are so busy with our ambitions and our goals, we neglect Sabbath. Rest is essential for our souls. Many of us are more tired at the soul level than we even know. We keep doing what we think is right, but we're missing it all together. We, we keep doing rather than being. We get so busy and so tied up in the fight that we can't even hear our own thoughts. We get so lost in the reading, in the study sometimes, that we can't even hear God speaking to us. So this morning, I come to encourage you to rest, but not just to rest, to rest in God, knowing that God has never left you and nor will God ever leave you. Resting is a model that God showed us when God... God's self rested on the seventh day. 
It is in those moments of resting in God that we allow our souls to catch up. The allegory that I've heard more than once about a South African tribe says that when this nomadic tribe was on their way to their next location, they paused under a shade tree and someone came and asked, why is it that you stopped? And they said, oh, we must stop along the way. For when we stop, it allows our souls to catch up. I encourage you in your weariest moments, in your overwhelming moments to rest, to pause, to allow your soul to catch up, to hear that still small voice again. It is in those moments of rest that God weeds out motives that are not in line with God's words. It's in those moments of rest that God confronts our prideful thoughts and our thoughts that we've got it all figured out. It is in those moments when we rest in God that God fills us with a well that never runs dry. And, and just like Elijah, we must insist and plan on moments of resting in God. It is in those moments of rest where we realize not by might nor by power, but only by God's Spirit. It's not only important that we rest in God, it's not only important that we understand how to press on, it's important for us this morning to understand why we must press on. Further down in this chapter, in 1 Kings chapter 19, in verse 15, the Lord tells Elijah to go back the way he came, to return to Damascus, for there is still work to do. We must press on because there is still work to do. When we go back, when we go back the way we came, when we retrace our history, that retracing of history reminds us remembrance of God, the reminders of how God has made a way out of no way. And when I look back over my life and think things over, I can truly say that I've been blessed. When we go back the way we came, we begin to see moments where God encountered us in weary times before and helped us to overcome. When we go back the way we came, we begin to realize that our pressing forth has so much more to do with others that are to come than it has to do with our own selfish moment. When we go back the way we came, we are reminded that there were those before us who were weary, that there were those before us who were exhausted, that there were those before us who were overwhelmed and yet they pressed on. Thank God they pressed on because because of their press, because of their persistence, we are here today. Because they pressed forth for justice and because they pressed forth in faith, they provide testimonies that encourage our very souls and remind us that we must press on because it is not only about us, but that there are others who are waiting for us to press on. I'm so grateful that as we honor the memory of John Lewis and of Reverend C.T. Vivian these last few weeks in our very own city of Atlanta, so grateful that they pressed on. It is because of their press that we have opened the franchise so that we can truly be the democracy that we ascribe to be. Because they pressed on, we can continue to fight 
the good fight, to get into good trouble, because there are others who are waiting for us to leverage our privilege, to tithe our resources, our time, and our talent, huh? to ultimately tithe our privilege. Even though we're tired, we must press on. Why? Must we press on? It's not just how we get ourselves together, how we nourish our souls and our spirits. It's not just why we must do it, but it's when. We must press on now. There is a sense of timing to our press. There is an urgency for our press. Sometimes in order to gain the inspiration to move forward, we go back. And as we go back, my prayer is that it push us further to respond to the moments before us today. When we take hold of the mighty power and spirit of God, engage the word of God, we are continually reminded that we must stand and be the witness of God now, today. The urgency of now is calling on us to press on. The same was true for Elijah. Elijah thought he was alone and that he could go to a cave and lay down his last. But God said there's still work to do and that work needs to be done now. Elijah thought that he was alone. He said to God, I'm all alone. No one else believes like I believe. I know sometimes it can get lonely. Sometimes you can feel as though you're the only one on the battlefield. But I love that God reminds Elijah, no, Elijah, you're not alone. There are 7,000 others who are also striving to be righteous and faithful. We are now at an amazing sacred nexus where people are tuning in like never before. Tuning in to issues of injustice, tuning in to try to figure out how to make this country, our city, our nation, our church even, be all that it has purported to be. The time is now. The momentum is right. I believe if we push forward now, we can usher in a change in the will of the people of our nation. We now, like Elijah, are aware that others are with us. Now is the time to press on. Now is the time for the people of faith to speak up. Now is the time for the people of faith to resist fear and complacency. Now is the time for the people of faith to usher in God's will on earth as it is in heaven. Now is the time to press on in your faith and to push for more of God and more of justice. We cannot allow the disappointment with a human being, another person, distract us from God. Now is the time. I'm so glad that more than 2,000 years ago, a carpenter, the son of a faithful woman named Mary, the son of our living God, Jesus, did not wait or delay. I'm so glad that Jesus persisted in spite of his unwillingness and in spite of his humanity because humanity needed his press. I'm so grateful that not only did he press on and hang on a cross and die, but that he rose 
And because he rose, we too can rise. Because he rose, we too can press on. The witness of God deserves more today. My brothers and sisters, the witness of God insists that we not give up. The witness of God insists that we continue to press against the tides of injustice. The witness of God insists that we come face to face with ourselves and weed out our pridefulness, weed out our complacency, push against our fear. The witness of God insists that we press on today. And as we go, may we be reminded that the Lord is our shepherd. Because of our God, we shall not want. He makes us to lie down in green pastures and leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul. And as we walk, surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life that we might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May we press on to ensure that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's word for God's people. Amen.